What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here with NoOffSeason.com. Welcome to the Football Card Strategy Show, Episode 3. We, I know you've all been waiting a long time for Episode 3. I've got my man Andy Kaysen here from the Football Card Quest and the Football Card Strategy Show. Of course, he is our host of the Football Card Strategy Show here at NoOffSeason.com. The Sports Card Content Network. Andy and I have been collabing a lot lately on a lot of good content. He's very motivational for me because he does he knows his stuff. Andy, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing great, man. Uh, yeah, man, 100% dedicated to football cards. So I dive in, man. I really dive in. But but you know that that I think that makes me you know that much better and and understanding what's going on in the football card market, especially when you have so many different uh, variances within sports cards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've made this super fun for me. This is the first time I've uh, co-hosted the football card strategy show with you. Usually I just do the intro and I let you do your thing for about an hour. But now that we're using our live streaming platform here, we're using StreamYard and we're going live on the Facebook group, YouTube and Twitch uh why not do it together you know it actually makes my life easier and i get to see you and interact with you so we figured we would go live for the audience today and we've had a lot of good audience participation on the sports card strategy show and we've already got toa toa's in the house what's up toa uh good to see you my man um glad you were able to join we're going live at uh different times here on the sports card strategy feed and, uh, of course, if you're not able to join us live, uh, you can catch this on Apple and Spotify because I put it up right away after the live after the live uh, feed. So, Andy, we've got some great topics today. We're going to talk not just about the 2021 Prism release, um, but we're going to talk about some contenders stuff, some player sleepers, uh, or um, maybe maybe some sleepers, but maybe more also on some guys that are clearly uh, sells in September. We've talked a lot about that on your show as well as mine. And uh, I want you to re-rank our football card rankings because my mind has been on basketball this week because it had the NBA draft and then uh, NBA free agency started. So I was writing up some basketball profiles and um, I'm a big football guy like you. Uh, so I'm going to help, but I'm going to, I'm going to lean on you to kind of help me re-rank some of our football rankings at nooffseason.com for the sports card investment report. And then of course, anybody who's um, chiming in with questions during the live broadcast, we'll, we'll take them. Um, so, all right. Our first topic is uh, prism football. So talk about what to do when there's a new release. And last time you and I talked, we talked about uh, maybe not jumping into every new release, maybe waiting, right, until uh, things cool down a little bit and taking notes, you know, taking notes about what's happening and then and then timing the market a little bit better. But I want to talk to you about Prism 2021. Uh, it is the hot new release and it is, it's not just the hot new release. It's actually most of the time the most investable release for the long term. So with that said, are there any Prism 2021 cards that are worth buying right now, even though it just came out a couple weeks ago? I do believe there are, and let me explain why. So 
this is a product like you're talking about. It's like the king set in the hobby, especially for football, but I think basketball too, really. And um, there's been a lot of talk on social media about how the hit rate is super low in retail boxes, blaster boxes, hangers, mega boxes. They don't actually guarantee an autograph or, or even give you the chance of pulling an autograph in these retail boxes. So those cards are left to the hobby only boxes, which are on average are reselling like sixteen hundred dollars. Um, and of course, then you have, you know, some people concerned about the, the printing issues like uh, more off centering and stuff. But I've seen thousands of singles transactions this week alone. And I think right now is a good time to dive in at a certain level. Let me explain the the hanger boxes. The hanger boxes actually come with a short print parallel of the base photo. And, and this card is actually considerably more rare. I actually counted up the transactions for several of the quarterbacks, starting with Trevor Lawrence. And what I did was this week I found, uh, let's see, I found 18 uh, short of uh, base silver prism cards for Trevor Lawrence selling on eBay from anywhere between $100 to $185. And then I found the short print variation. There was only 12 of those. And this is a card that is apparently, from everything I understand and people I've talked to in the community, is only printed in the hanger boxes. And it's and and there was so you can think about the the scarcity of that. And that card right now is currently reselling for the same as the base silver variation. And and I've cross-checked this against several of our uh, kind of favorite targets for 2022 season. And I'm seeing the same thing across the board. And I think it's people aren't realizing that this is, in fact, a short print photo variation of the base card, kind of like they did in 2012. And if you're really not dialed in and paying attention, you don't really know that that is the short print photo variation that when the, all the dust settles, those cards are going to be considerably more valuable than the base ones. And, and right now, for almost all of these 2021 rookies that we're going to talk about today, the, the short print photo variation is selling for less or, or the same as the base silver variation. I can't hear you, Paul. I don't know what happened. There. Oh, there we go. I had oh, my mic yeah. muted. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. Something to pay attention to. Um, only available in the hanger boxes, short print photo variation. Uh, Andy thinks they're going to be uh, investable long-term. So I really like that as a play. Um, do you know how much are the hanger boxes going for retail and, and can you get that, you know, can you get them? Uh, are they available? I know retail is hit and miss depending on where you live and all that stuff, but, uh, are they reselling on the secondary market for an affordable price point? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, um, I found a ton of boxes selling for 2021 prism, mostly the, the blasters, the hangers in retail stores resell for about twenty to twenty-five dollars. Um, let me uh, let me look real quick on on eBay. I, I want to say they're going for about forty or fifty. Yeah, they're actually going for about forty-five, fifty dollars on secondary marketplace, and and that's about the same price as the blaster box. And I, and I think that's because you know um, maybe these retail flippers and stuff and people reselling hangers are realizing that they have this short print photo variation uh in this in this hanger boxes so um that that's kind of what i'm seeing that's a better price point than getting the blaster if you're gonna buy retail prism go for the hanger boxes 
So that's a, that's a hot take for you there. Like, for example, I'm really bullish on uh, Travis Etienne this year. Absolutely love Travis Etienne uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got the whole college connection with Trevor Lawrence. Also, he was incredible uh, with Trevor Lawrence and Clemson in the 2018 championship. I mean, if you look at the first play of that ACC championship game against Pitt, he broke off a 75-yard touchdown run, the very first play from scrimmage, where he was literally running away from a loaded box of defenders. So that's the kind of stuff that Travis Etienne can give you. Then he came back. He could have early declared for the draft, but he came back to play one more year with Trevor uh, and ended up putting up some really good receiving numbers to show that he's got that all-purpose skill set. He's extremely uh, explosive and agile uh, and has 4-4 speed. And so he missed his entire rookie season with that Liz Frank foot fracture. He's now coming back. We get a new offense, uh, some new weapons. But, I mean, just the whole life that Doug Peterson should breathe into that team and then you look at their opening schedule. They play the Commanders week one. So I absolutely love this matchup. And with James Robinson likely to still be uh, kind of injured or limited starting the season, I've already seen footage from Travis Etienne uh, running drills at camp, and he looks like right back to that Clemson form where he actually led the entire uh, NCAA in 2019 in broken tackles. So this guy is incredibly uh, explosive. And right now you can get his uh, silver prism short print photo variation for $15. The same as, as the, uh, the base variation. And his silver prism auto is about $75. Now I think that $75 for that silver prism auto is a little steep in my opinion because it's a sticker auto and it's not serial number. I'd, I'd rather like try and target his optic contenders rookie ticket auto for less if 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 I can find it, like if I can get that card for around 40, then then I would be really happy with that. Even not serial number because Optic uh, Contenders is a hobby only product and it's it's one pack of six cards. And so it just makes that card that much more scarce. And it's going to be an on card autograph when you when you get that there. So that's uh, that's some of the things I like around uh, ETN and uh, his prison product right now. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here and tell you that uh, I'm super excited to hear you say that about Travis Etienne. I made a call last year, last uh, October, to myself, and I, I put my money where my mouth is. I might have put out a piece of content about it. I don't know, but put my money where my mouth is and got about three or four Travis Etienne RPAs. Nothing special, but I got them all for under under $30. And... Um, I'm hoping that even though they're like certified in black and they're the kind of the cheaper releases, they are nice looking cards with the patch auto in them. And I just think if he pops off, like you're saying, he possibly can, then I'm looking to sell him pretty early on in the season based on that Jaguar schedule. So I took a shot in the dark, not knowing what the Jaguars would do in 2021, not knowing what the Jaguars schedule would be in 2022, not knowing if Travis Etienne would come back full strength in 2022. But knowing that, okay, the 30th overall pick, I think he was, there could be a lot of hype around him. And I saw it as an opportunity while he was out to get his his rookie patch autos at a, at a discount. So um, Toa also likes the ETN play. Pumped about that. I, um, we have him number 30 on our sports card investment report, so we'll get to that later. And before we go to your next um, nugget of phenomenal information, uh, Toa, let's take Toa's question real quick. So he thinks... Zach Wilson short print parallels are a good buy. 
and his prices have been low compared to everyone else in last year's QB class. Andy, what do you think of Zach Wilson? Is he, are you, are you a Zach Wilson guy or are you avoiding Zach? Man. All right. So I, I like the hype that Zach Wilson has got coming into this season, you know, especially with them drafting Garrett Wilson in the first round, drafting Brees Hall in the second round. They've got Elijah Moore, really big fan of Elijah Moore. Uh, I mean, he was incredible at Oklahoma. He's also got uh, like a really good win rate in all the routes that he runs. So our, our old Miss, I, I uh, misspoke on Elijah Moore's college, old Miss, but he was a 99th percentile target share at old Miss. So I like the weapons he's got. I even like Michael Carter, too, who a lot of people don't realize led the backfield at University of North Carolina over Javante Williams until his senior year, and they still split touches, and Michael Carter was still productive in a backfield with Javante Williams. So I still think there's opportunity for Michael Carter in that receiving role as well. But let's look at the Jets' opening schedule. Ravens at home, Browns away, and then the Bengals at home. All three teams have have above-average defenses, and the Ravens dramatically improved their defense this offseason through free agency and the draft. And I think we're going to – obviously, they've got some of the best coaching in the league. The Bengals' defense was solid. They've put in more pieces uh, through the draft and free agency. The Browns' secondary has been getting better and better. They, of course, they've got Miles Garrett and some other pieces uh, in the trenches on defense. So, it's, man, their opening schedule is not favorable at all. That's that's tough, man. That's So I could easily see the Jets – you know, struggling out of the gates, which kind of leads me to think, okay, the best time to buy Zach Wilson, even though, yeah, he is cheaper than Trey Lance, Mac Jones. He's cheaper than Trevor Lawrence. Um, he's, he's probably around that same price point now as Justin Fields. Uh, and, but I still think that his prices may get lower in, in like November. So I'm very hesitant to buy Zach Wilson. Now, I do like the potential to buy Zach Wilson and then flip him in August, like flip him going into that week one. Maybe he has some good flashes because he does have an incredibly zippy arm. Like his arm is incredible. He can throw the ball further than a lot of other quarterbacks in the league. There is no question about that. But that opening schedule is tough, and it's going to be hard for him to win games. So I'd be looking to flip him heading into week one. Yeah, that's another interesting play. I like that where – if you know a guy is lower than other quarterbacks right now and he's going to get a lot of media coverage, a lot of hype, you know, playing in New York. Um, that's the thing I like about football is you can kind of actually time it to where you don't even really need him to perform on the field, especially if they're a quarterback. Um, so a guy like Zach Wilson, I think, probably fits in that category. So good question, Toa. We appreciate that. Uh, shout out Ziggy. Ziggy's uh, watching the live broadcast. Good seeing you. Uh change your nice. username to sports card show so wondering do i have to call you sports card show now or can i still call you ziggy no i'm not sure but good to see you my man appreciate it let us know if you have any questions for andy or i okay one more question here before we i want to keep the talk um going on prism because i got a couple more uh to tee up for you andy on on 2021 prism but um somebody from the facebook group asking about davis mills yeah so I, davis mills was part of my 2021 prism research because i i you know, there's part of me that likes Davis Mills um, because he's a five-star high school recruit, and he did, he was incredible in high school and in passing production and both intermediate and deep throws uh, specifically. So he ended up committing to Stanford, a pretty prestigious school. He's a really smart guy. He's got a good head on his shoulders, but there was a lot of um, oddities around his college career, COVID, shortened seasons. 
and kind of thrust into the limelight due to starting quarterback injuries. Uh, the Houston Texans actually ended up drafting him with their day two pick, which uh, was was pretty good. A lot of people expected him to fall even further because he just didn't have the college numbers uh, to back up being drafted that high. But and he ended up getting a start week two of his rookie season because Tyrod Taylor went down. Kind of similar story to what uh, Justin Herbert would happen to Justin Herbert in his rookie year. Uh, but Davis Mills production was not nearly as um, as big as what happened with Justin Herbert on the Chargers. He did have a good week. He had a really good week where uh, next-gen stats pegged him uh, uh, when they played the New England Patriots. This was in week five. And he actually had the best rookie quarterback performance against the Bill Pelagic's, uh Patriots defense in uh, Bill Pelagic history. So a lot of people were like, whoa. And, and he almost, like, for the first three quarters of that game, it looked like they were going to beat them. And that was kind of his coming-out party. It was breakout game. He also had a 44.2 deep ball completion percentage last year. So that was among that was a QB one numbers. That was like among the top 15 quarterbacks in the league. And and so for those reasons, you kind of like him, although the rest of the team performance, the supporting cast, the offensive line is bad. Uh, Davis Mills has below average athleticism. He's not the fastest guy. Um, He's not super mobile, but he does have very good throwing mechanics. He's got good decision making ability. Um, and you know, I think the Patriots could have been just kind of like thinking they were coming into a, a cakewalk game. They could have been party of the night before down in Houston and not taking it serious. It could have been a fluke, but, um, Davis Mills, if you look at their opening schedule though, Colts at home away at the Broncos away at the bears don't like that opening schedule. Um, but I looking at his prices, silver prism base between 50 and 75. This is what's interesting. The short print photo variation of the silver prism i saw an auction that went for 15 dollars, and that card's going from 15 to 35 so i think there's immediate flip potential heading into the season because i've seen davis mills uh, climbing in his average draft position he's been going earlier in fantasy drafts which tells me that that fantasy analysts and nfl analysts and people studying the nfl are getting more and more bullish on davis mills which is leading to hype going into the season right and so I would absolutely take advantage of that right now as you can on those short print silvers and and flip those heading into the season because tough opening schedule. Texans still have a lot of holes on defense, so there could be uh, obviously shootout scenarios uh, any game that they're in. And I do like Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan. They drafted John Mechie, who went to Alabama and uh, was pretty solid. There's a a possession-style receiver, so I like the weapons, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's, that's my take on, on Davis Mills. Yeah. I think Davis Mills for me is a great example of why you would buy say a 2021 hanger box, even on the secondary market and hold it as a sealed investment potentially, because I don't know that I would bet on a Davis Mills single, unless you get it at a, unless you can get, make sure you get it at a really good price sniping an auction. Andy, I know you do, you do your weekly auction sniper at the at the football card quest uh premium version and everything like that so uh i know if, if you want to if anyone out there wants to check out what andy's doing in his premium stuff do that because you know there might be a davis mills auction that he that he throws your way i think that 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 would fit i think maybe if you're at a card show and you see a davis mills card from somebody just trying to move it someone who's not really doesn't really care about davis mills or believe in him I think that could be another way to get to invest in him. But other than those two scenarios where you're going to get a deal on him, to me, he's an example of why would you 
why would you not take that even 15 to 40 to $50 that it would cost you to get a solid Davis Mills card and put that into a, a prism blaster on the secondary market and just keep it sealed. I mean, to each his own, but I think then, then you've got the ability to say, Hey, there's also Lance and Fields and Mac Jones and, and Wilson and everybody else in that product, Jamar Chase, everybody. If, if you rip a Davis Mills, I like, I like the idea of maybe holding him till week one and see what's happened, see what's happening and, and selling him. But, to me, he's a little bit he's a little bit of a, a risky, longer term guy. Um, mm-hmm. He's number twenty eight on the sports card investment report, so that's that's my overall take on him. Um, so I want to ask you just a couple other questions about like twenty twenty one prism singles that would make sense to buy now. Are you seeing anything other than your phenomenal example? You gave a phenomenal example earlier on in the show of a short print silver photo variation in the blaster skew specifically um that's a long-term that you think is a long-term play anything say parallels or numbered that are going to hold value long term from a singles perspective so i mean i'm looking at recent sales and there's not a whole lot that's that's sticking out but there are obviously the orange discos you know i'm looking at I see a Kyle Trask and a Trevor Lawrence orange disco sales. Um, I see a Tom Brady, uh, you know, that's obviously the 2021 Tom Brady. Not sure how you feel about that, but I know obviously like the, the golds out of 10 are going to be super expensive um, depending on the player that you're looking at, but they're obviously going to hold value long-term, right? So are there any, anything that you see that you would say, okay, Hey, Here's a single a singles investment, um, whether it's uh, like I said, whether it's like a green pulsar, a pink, uh, a, obviously a gold, a numbered anything. What's what's your philosophy on this year's product with those? Yeah, I, I think it's it's really important, especially in football card market. I see a ton of liquidity around color match cards, and one of the nice things that Prism did this year is a lot of those. Uh, color match, short print, um, color parallels, whether it's the wave design or the cracked ice or the uh, the scope, a lot of them are serial numbered. Uh, so I, I would be targeting, even if it's out of 299 or 199 or 99, I'd be targeting those guys in auction color matched. Um, you know, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to get you know, like for example, uh, Rashad Bateman on the Baltimore Ravens in a green prism you know, that's just that doesn't look good. You know, green and purple just don't really go together. Maybe like if you're the Joker, you know, it's like then. But um, but otherwise, like they make a purple cracked ice, they make a purple wave, you know, or um, there's a lot of teams like the Detroit Lions, like Amon Ross St. Brown, just his silver prism alone or uh, Javante Williams. You know, Javante Williams on the Denver Broncos and and uh, absolutely love their opening schedule. I think we're going to see a big uh, market pop from from Javante Williams and the Denver Broncos. That game could go either way. But a lot of people think that Nathaniel Hackett coming in from Green Bay, um, you know, f- a former offensive coordinator for Green Bay is going to uh, allow Russ to throw more. But if you look back at his numbers in Green Bay, it's been very balanced. And and Aaron Rodgers has historically played kind of slow. Um, 
So it'll be really interesting. I think that's the most am- ambiguous offense to project this year heading into 2022, but they open up against the Seahawks. It's a it's a total revenge game. It's Monday night. It's week one. Monday night football against the Seahawks. The Seahawks love to play slow. They're one of the slowest teams in the NFL. They still have Pete Carroll. They're going to play slow. They drafted Ken Walker, uh, your guy from Michigan State, so another really yeah, good running Really good running back, really good in between the tackles, outside the tackles, great running back. Rashad Penny's healthy, another great running back. So that's Pete Carroll's uh, mindset is just just to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, uh, which is going to lead to a slow game. So Denver could do the same thing in response, and we could see Javante Williams, who led the NFL and forced missed tackles broken last year, have some really big plays. He's still going to split time with Melvin Gordon, but the guy is a, is a bruiser. I mean, he's an absolute bruiser who can drag two, three defenders on his back, and he's still very young. It's only his second year. So orange serial numbered short print stuff for Javante Williams, like under $30 um, is really nice. The short print silver variation stuff that are like selling for less than the base silver stuff, I absolutely love as well heading into the season. Phenomenal. Uh, Toa, are you a Sparty? That's amazing. He says Kenneth Walker is a B Sparty on. I love that. Ziggy's got a couple questions real quick before I ask you my next question about Prism. So Ziggy wants to know sleeper team to make the playoffs that no one's talking about. I love this question because this is kind of where I start when I think about what, what can be some sneaky card plays to make, because obviously if there's a sleeper team to make the playoffs that no one's talking about, you look at their quarterback, you know, and you start to kind of project what, what could happen from there. So uh, let's take a little bit of a left turn, Andy, and give us give us some thoughts on this because I know you do a lot of research and you probably have some some great thoughts here. Yeah, so one team that I've been looking at a lot who's my dark horse candidate to potentially even like it would really shock a lot of people if they won their division, but it's absolutely possible. This is the Detroit Lions. Detroit hat this is totally unbiased as I've you know I've watched the Detroit Lions really struggle for many many years but uh, what they've been doing building in the trenches building the offensive line building the defensive line uh, Jared Goff has been to a Super Bowl with Sean McVay he's he's a former number one overall pick so it's like there's a reason why he's there they're sticking with him they've also got incredible weapons they'll be getting Jamison Williams who's arguably he thinks he's the fastest guy in the NFL even faster than Tyreek Hill he's coming off an ACL tear from the championship game last year with Alabama but when they do get him back they're gonna have Jamison Williams DJ Chark who is is a phenom athlete from LSU and himself who's still young Amon Ross St. Brown TJ Hawkinson who's one of the best receiving tight ends in the league DeAndre Swift who is like a mix between Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley when he's healthy. Um, the offensive line, they've continued to, to put in first-round draft picks there. So across the board, they have above-average grades with some elite pieces. I mean, the Detroit Lions last year were only projected to win three games, and they didn't really come alive to like week uh, week 11 or whenever that was. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown caught that game-winning touchdown pass to beat the Vikings at the, in the last second of the game. But this year, Vegas is projecting them to win six and a half. And so we see a clear increase there in projected win totals. And they could surprise people and potentially, you know, make a, a wild card run this year. Awesome. Well, Ziggy likes to pick. He says golf prices would have to move if the Lions win or make the playoffs. And uh, they would. I agree. I mean, I think go- like that that is a setup right there for some golf prices to increase if that does in fact happen and 
Um, Andy's on fire, man. I mean, picking my Detroit Lions, I've, I've seen one playoff win in the last, what, 60 or 70 years, something like that. No exaggeration. So we're due. We're due. And uh, Toa, this explains something. I'm going to have to let Kendall know about this because Toa's brought it strong on some sports card strategy shows in the comments. He is a Michigan State alum, which those of you listening on Spotify and Apple probably don't care about. But I care about. This explains why he's amazing because he is a Michigan State alum like myself. So um, what about the Minnesota Vikings? Because I'm looking at – speaking of Michigan State, I'm looking at my guy Kirk Cousins. Is it time – for some price movement on Kirk Cousins. Is it, could the Minnesota Vikings be my sleeper team to make the playoffs that nobody's really talking about? It could be, man. And it, it would come at the cost of the Detroit Lions potentially because they're in the same division. It's like he just – the Green Bay Packers are there, so and you can't rule them out. I, I do ex, I, I do expect him to kind of regress a little bit, losing Devontae Adams uh, and Nathaniel Hackett. Um, at, uh, at Rogers has already alluded to it a couple times in press conferences that he just may not be able to carry the offense. And uh, so I expect regression there. Their defense should still be really good. But when we look at the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, I absolutely love what, what they're doing with this team, man. Uh, the weapons are incredible. Kirk Cousins has always been a phenomenal pocket passer. And people haven't historically given him the credit that is due to him, uh, maybe partially because he's kind of lost in – he's really struggled playing on Monday night football, uh, Thursday night football, these primetime games. His record is, like, really bad. Like, for a while there, it was like – I mean, it was it was really bad. Uh, so there's a little bit of a stigma around that. But, you know, Mike Zimmer, I, I don't think, was doing them any favors. And now you bring in Kevin O'Donnell, who's the former offensive coordinator from the Rams – and that's a super, that's a Super Bowl team. So bringing Kevin O'Donnell, he's going to bring in a lot of that Sean McVay philosophy. They're going to play faster. They're going to throw the ball more. And I, I love the web. Justin Jefferson, arguably the best wide receiver in the league. Uh, I really like uh, KJ Osborne. Adam Thielen's older, but he's a, he's a touchdown machine. Really like Irv Smith, uh, who's got a lot of potential as a tight end. I uh, like Amir Smith-Marset, who's a second-year player, who's one of my sleeper pickups that you can find 2021 Silver Prisms on for, like, dirt cheap. Uh, and Amir Smith-Marset has got a very interesting athletic profile from college and the speed that he's got and um, his ability to win against man coverage and stuff like that. As it makes for a very interesting deep sleeper play there. And Dalvin Cook is still in the backfield. And Alexander Madison's a great handcuff. I, I like the, the Vikings – ability to potentially make the playoffs this year and getting Kirk Cousins rookie card like base prism car you can get that card for like ten dollars or less and uh, I know it's in a Redskins logo uniform and stuff and that's very uh, polarizing from the uniform and, and the color scheme that he's in now so I would also look at 2018 Kirk Cousins the first year he's on the Vikings you can find some incredibly rare Kirk Cousins like we found a 25 out of 25 National Treasures 2018 Kirk Cousins in Vikings uniform for like less than $20. Uh, so, Paul, that I mean, that was that was a fantastic deal. I feel like there's some uh, uh, some value in finding Kirk Cousins in Vikings uniform stuff that is very rare, uh, potentially autographed, serial numbered stuff like that. Definitely stick to very rare uh, serial numbered stuff. You're targeting those veteran cards of a guy like Kirk Cousins, but I think there's a lot of liquidity there. I see a lot of sold transactions for those cards of him. Cool. Yeah, I think um, KJ Osborne, a name you mentioned, I, I think that that's a great sleeper call. I'll have to look at – I'll look into Amir Smith-Marset. 
everybody out there to look into him as well. Andy knows what he's talking about. We might have to add him to the, to the sports card investment report at no offseason. Jefferson is number 18. I believe in him. I believe that he's a guy that could get overshadowed by some of the hype of the 2021 rookie class, uh, this new Prism release, things like that. I think he's an example of a guy you go back a year, um, and he's obviously going to be a level down from the quarterback pricing. So if you believe in the Minnesota Vikings at all, uh, back to Ziggy's uh, question on sleepers to make the playoffs, I kind of do, uh, over my Detroit Lions, unfortunately. But I like Andy's Detroit Lions call. So um, Toa's stashing some Kellen Mond. So let's to, to that end, um, you know, there are a lot of rookie QBs from a year ago. Uh, Ziggy had a question about the top five. Um, which ones have the biggest upside and which one has the biggest downside of sort of the top five? So you're looking at everyone drafted from Davis Mills on down, I believe is what he's talking about. So Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. I guess Mac yeah. Jones, that would be the big five. I think Mills is six. Is that right? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, which one has the biggest downside, Andy? I would. I honestly I probably have to say Mac Jones um, because he's arguably the most expensive one to buy into right now. And I just, you, you know, you look at uh, the Patriots schedule, look at the Patriots roster. I think that his Mac Jones values going up, continuing to rise from where they're at now have several wins baked into them already. Um, mm-hmm. And his, values rising are going to be contingent upon them continuing to win and continuing to make the playoffs. And so I, I really like, I, I think Mac Jones values could very well go down because it seems like Bill Belichick, uh, whether it's him calling the plays, <laughs> I mean, which what it looks like, yeah. I mean, they're going to, they're going to run the ball, run the ball and run the ball again. And, and so I think Mac Jones is kind of a game manager and I just – I don't know. I think they're kind of setting them setting themselves up. The Dolphins, they play week one, have a, above-average secondary, um, and that's going to be a tough game for them right there, week one. Uh, week two, they play the Steelers, another really good defense. You know, uh, week three, they play the Ravens, <laughs> another really good defense. So, I, I don't know. I think Mac Jones has probably got the one that's – that's the easiest path to, to going down in value uh, out of the gate. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on that. Now, I'm going to give you mine with the biggest upside, and I'm going to see if you, uh, if you agree or disagree, and then tell me who you think has the biggest upside. I think Trevor Lawrence. I'm going Trevor Lawrence with the biggest upside because I think he has the market that believed in him as the number one overall pick coming out of Clemson last year. He has all the hype of everything that you could want out of any rookie quarterback from the, the tops release, the, you know, all of, the, all of the, the media coverage down in Jacksonville, positive and negative. And he, he played a full 17-game season. He threw a lot of interceptions, but he stayed healthy. He hung in the pocket. And uh, I think he probably did – as well as any quarterback would have done in that situation last year. And there's a lot of things to be excited about down in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson, Travis Etienne coming back, um, some new weapons around him, nobody nobody really off the charts. But I think that it's a fresh start in year two for Trevor Lawrence. Everyone's going to reference 
Peyton Manning's first year didn't look that great either. So what do you think of Trevor? I think he, and I think his pricing, I mean, if you think about what Herbert and Burrow did in their rookie year, other than Burrow's injury, he played well and then he came back his second year, right? So with Herbert and Burrow's strong starts, and we've seen other rookie QBs come in and do well in recent years, if Trevor would have played well last year, been in a different situation like I think his pricing would be 10x from where it is now so if you think about it in that regard could it 10x I mean I think it would take wins it would take some playoff wins it would take a real I don't know that it could I don't think it would take that much Paul to be honest with you because of the draft pedigree being a one being a number one overall uh, draft pick especially in in the modern day era um, like Joe Burrow was, like Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, they get a much longer leash. Like you're, you're allowed to get away with more and and lose more, and still come back and have this explosion of hype because you're a former number one overall draft pick, and you were so highly touted in college as uh, the next Peyton Manning, the the best prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck and and Peyton Manning. So it's like. He has uh, had a ton of hype for him. Um, and I think, yeah, you could chalk up year one to just uh, a scratch and erase it and start over this year with totally new coaching. I think a lot of that is blamed on Urban Meyer and they're getting a fresh start with Doug Peterson. Um, and I think you, you're you right. I think you're right. Dead on, Paul. They play the commanders week one. I mean, that, I mean, th- they win that game and Trevor looks okay we're going to see the values go up. There's already a ton of, of volatility. Like I was talking about the silver prism. I've seen that card selling. And typically you can pinpoint the market down for a specific card that's got a lot of transactions, like 20 or so at least transactions a week. You can pinpoint that market down in a, like a 20 to $30 variance. I've seen Trevor Lawrence uh, silver prism card selling anywhere between $100 and $170. Confirmed transactions that I actually looked up and looked at the condition uh, and the photos and everything a hundred to 170. So it's like some people are reaching already buying into that hype. Some people are still like ripping him out of a pack and thinking he's not that good or not going to be that great because they're on the Jags really difficult AFC. Maybe they just want to go ahead and take whatever they can get for him. I think it's important to like, maybe we should capitalize now on these cards being ripped by breakers and rippers and just thrown onto eBay for a hundred bucks for a silver prism and jump on that because week one, they beat the commanders. That's an immediate hype boost. We could see those cards immediately spike in value. And then week two, you get the Colts. And what if they do beat the Colts and then they beat the chargers? If they were to go three and oh, yeah, I, Paul, I think you could see that card 10 X. It's a possible. Now, are they going to beat the Colts and the Chargers? That's that's going to be really difficult. I know the odds aren't in their favor, but if he does pull that off somehow, that would be insane. It would be a ton of hype. Yeah, I love it. I love Trevor. I think sometimes guilty of digging too far for sleepers when something's right under my nose, just like ready to take. And I think Trevor could be one of those guys because. When you, uh, you and Carter had me on your show last week, and that was a ton of fun, and you guys asked me a couple questions. Uh, one was about, like, the most liquid cards, and I said Silver Prism, Silver Prism rookies. And so I think you're right. Like, with all these – now kind of Prism being out, 
gives us all the opportunity to be like, okay, now pretty much everything investable is out, right? Other than maybe your national treasures or your flawless or whatever. But everything like within reach for everybody is out. And so now that being said, you've got the opportunity to go get a Trevor Lawrence silver prism for a pretty affordable price. Um, everyone might already be tired of seeing Trevor Lawrence cards. And that could be a reason why that card is affordable. Well, go get that now. And then football starts up again. This guy has a couple good games. We're on the same page with that. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move into prism cards uh, for 2021 that we should wait on buying because there's so much hype. We see a lot of transactions, a lot of things going around in the market. Are there any that you would say, let's hold back on guys in terms of jumping in on, maybe we can get a better deal on them later. Yeah, there's a few guys. Um, Trey Lance is one of those guys. Uh, There's so much um, hype already baked in. Like there's wins and there's an expectation of him being a top five quarterback already baked into the current values of his cards with the current, the, the, the draft capital they spent on him last year, plus the future picks that they spent to get to move up, to get there, to get him. Um, it's man, there's a lot. And we just saw such a small sample size from him in the two games that we did see him play. And we know there's a rushing floor, but, uh, we don't know, like we need more, we need to see more, right? He went to a, a fairly small college and we need to just see more before I'm going to go out and spend the hundreds or thousands of dollars on his cards. I would wait. They also have a pretty difficult schedule this year themselves, um, especially starting out out of the gate here. They open up uh, at the Bears, then the Seahawks at home, and then the Broncos on Sunday night football. So the reason why I think it's important, like it's the like the Bears and Seahawks at home don't seem difficult, but uh, the Bears could be a sneaky team, you know, playing in Chicago. And playing in that stadium, the Bears defense, they also brought in Matt Eberflus, uh, who is the former defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. They've also, the Bears have picked up, I know they lost Khalil Mack, but the secondary on the Bears is pretty good. They have some really young, talented guys there. And all the reports out of camp is that Matt Eberflus is like squeezing every last drop out of that defense and that they are running hard. They're going to be playing fierce. So I would expect the Bears to have a chip on their shoulder big time. And for them to come out hot and and end their home stadium in a season opener, they could easily um, get get to uh, get to Trey Lance and and make force him to make some turnovers and stuff. They could shoot. I mean, they could even lose that game, and then you go, um, you know, Seahawks, and it's like the pace at which they play. You never know. Um, so, and then uh, the Broncos on Sunday Night Football, like that's going to be a really tough matchup. I just think Trey Lance is very. Uh, rookie like he, he he looks like a rookie I think he's gonna play like a rookie coming out this year because he got the least amount of playing time last year out of all these guys so I expect him to look like a rookie coming out and uh, so that's why I would wait on him to buy in November so we had contenders optic come out and with the hype of prism did contenders optic get overshadowed what are you seeing related to say comparing a really nice release like Contenders Optic to Prism on the single side. Are there any comparisons that you can make where you're saying, hey, uh, this Contenders Optic rookie ticket auto, for example, is a real good sleeper play? Like, do we go in that direction for lesser known guys? 
uh, do we go in that direction even for, for, you know, for some of the star rookies? Yeah. Anytime I can find uh, a rookie, uh, rookie ticket auto from contenders, that's like $20 or lower. Um, I mean, that's pretty much the floor for that card. And if the player has got a promising athletic profile, like I'm studying their metrics from college, uh, what their production was like, how crowded the depth chart was, you know, what kind of competition they beat out in college, and then looking at their draft pedigree, like where they were drafted. Um, and even if they're buried on the depth chart, like I look at a guy like Josh Palmer on the Chargers, who's wide receiver three behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. But when Keenan Allen missed time, Josh Palmer lined up in the slot and took snaps for Keenan Allen and was productive. He won against you know, defenders and made some really nice plays. When Mike Williams missed time, they put him on the outside and he wins out there. He's the guy that Justin Herbert has gone on record saying that this guy has come, showed up early for practice. He's stayed late. He's ran routes for me in the field. Uh, he's the kind of guy that is, is trying to meet with Justin Herbert for breakfast. They have nothing but good things to say about him. And if you look at the Chargers organization, they the last time they spent a, uh, a first day one or day two pick. So a first three rounds of the NFL draft pick on a wide receiver was 2017 with Mike Williams. The, the, they didn't pick a, a wide receiver this year or pick up a wide receiver in free agency. They totally skipped out on any wide receivers last year and they drafted um, Josh Palmer in round three of last year. So that speaks volumes about him. If you read between the lines uh, from their front office, their personnel management, so you can get his optic uh, contenders rookie ticket auto for less than his silver prism auto right now. And if I can get that card in auction for around $20, just because it kind of blends in with the regular rookie ticket autos. I see this every year, like last year for Jerry Judy, I was buying his optics contenders rookie ticket auto in the silver variation. It looks nicer. It's got a thicker card stock, so it's going to grade better, right? There's a lot of edge issues that uh, the base contenders rookie ticket autos have. And if you can get it for cheaper because it's blending in with that and it's got an on-card autograph and you're getting it for like $15, $20 cheaper than a silver prism auto, I mean, I, I'm all for it because it's got that that contender's brand recognition that goes back to 98. It's got all the liquidity things you want about it. It looks great. It's going to grade better. And uh, price point is right. I'm a big fan of contenders. I think that they're probably the most investable cards for basketball and football. Uh, consistently. I mean, obviously Prism, but uh, the Prism autos are the sticker autos and uh, Prism doesn't always have uh, serial numbers on their autos. And so uh, the, I love the different contenders variations for both basketball and football uh, with the serial numbers and the, the autos. Um, so at nooffseason.com, we're actually, I'm toying around with the idea of adding to the sports card investment report like a database with some graphs and charts of only contenders, rookie ticket autos for, for the key players. Um, just because I think that that that's a, a white space in the market for just people tracking the data of specifically those cards. There's a player that you got me thinking about based on your Josh Palmer call. And this guy might be uh, a lot deeper of a sleeper. Um, but I pulled him out of a pack of leaf ultimate draft recently from last year and uh, it's TJ Vasher from the Cowboys. So we've talked a lot about Dak Prescott, you and I, in our recent conversations. And Vasher is six foot six. Um, and you can get his uh, contenders rookie ticket auto cracked ice 
out of 21 for $25. Now there's only 20 more to be had, but uh, just, just an example of, of where he is now, does a guy like TJ Vasher, like how far away is he from getting an opportunity in Dallas? Well, uh, TJ Vasher, yeah, you'd have to put him as like a wide receiver four slash five because they've okay. got another big guy they spent. Uh, so TJ Vasher undrafted here uh, from Texas Tech last year, which in, in a way, if you can get his rookie ticket auto for like 10, 15 bucks, if he were to break out, that card could go up to as high as like $100 from one game because we saw that happen with Darius Johnson. We see that happen with undrafted guys because Panini doesn't print them in hardly anything, right? They don't get printed in Prism. They don't get printed in all these main sets. They get that contender rookie ticket auto and then probably college product. So, But you're going to have to put them obviously behind CeeDee Lamb. You're going to have to put them behind James Washington that they just picked up uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to have to put him behind Jalen Tolbert, who they just spent a third-round pick on, who's got a pretty impressive college numbers. Um, and then Simi Fajoko is another, like, he's like 6'4", 6'5". He's a big guy. They spent, like, a, a fourth or fifth-round pick on him in 2020. He's still on, on there. I do like uh, the breakout age of TJ Vasher at uh, 19, so meaning he started contributing for Texas Tech when he was 19 years old in, like, a, a meaningful way, the – um, more than 10% of the offensive production for the school. But, um, yeah, I mean, his fine, like his senior year, he had 227 receiving yards uh, and 46% catch rate, 10% target share. So nothing's nothing's jumping off uh, the size. And and he didn't run very fast on his on his pro day. He only ran a 4.57 um, at the combine. So the his overall height-adjusted speed score is only a 65th percentile. But uh, I like the scarcity that you get baked into that rookie ticket auto. Yeah, that's about as deep of a penny stock as you could possibly go. And <laughs> it doesn't sound like he could he could be the next Marcus Colston. But I figured I'd ask you about about him. And uh, of course, you've got all the data, so I love it. Um, all right, so let's move into our next topic, which is which players are clear early September sells. So you talked about Zach Wilson. Uh, we talked about Davis Mills. Anybody else that kind of fits that category? We talked about Travis Etienne. Uh, are we looking at all position players here, or are there any quarterbacks that you would put up there at the early September sells? Yeah, so we talked about Davis Mills, uh, Zach Wilson, uh, Trevor Lawrence even, uh, flipping them at the beginning of the season. Um, even even Mac Jones. Like, honestly, I'm not looking at any of these guys – long term right now i'm i'm looking at to to sell all of them in at the beginning of the season on that preseason hype um and beginning of the season hype because i just i'd rather sell now i think i can sell now for a profit with uh, some scarcity built around their their rookie card product because it's been released so late um and plus we just haven't seen much play from a lot of these guys and we got all these new weapons for them and new coaching and all this i'd rather sell them all like heading into September and then potentially buy back in in November. Um, and that's that's kind of the strategy I'm looking at. There are some skill position guys that I would sell in September that are incredibly uh, hyped up right now. Leading the way is Najee Harris for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know uh, you and I may differ on this one a little bit, but I, again, I love Najee Harris. He was an absolute stud at Alabama. 
obviously uh, first round draft pick to the Steelers. And they have this huge market, huge fan base. And he had over 300 carries last year Had over 1600 yards from scrimmage. He was, he was number two in the league in targets, number one in opportunities. I mean, like in several different opportunity metrics, but the problem I have with it is their offensive line last year among uh, run blocking efficiency from running backs. He ranked 80th, 80th, their, their, uh, their offensive line after the improvements they made this off season, which wasn't a lot. They just did some shuffling around and stuff. They're still ranked 30th out of 32 teams heading into 2022. So this gives me a lot of concern. This started to wear down on, on Najee Harris towards the end of the season and where he almost almost got really badly hurt. I mean, uh, it's just he was, you know, when you're playing, especially now when you have Mitch Trubisky, who doesn't have a ton of NFL experience, and you have Kenny Pickett, who's a rookie, and either one of those guys could start. Looks like it's probably going to be Trubisky to start. But I, I just – I get really nervous about Najee A either getting hurt, but I, you can't project for injuries, but I just think his efficiency numbers were so bad last year. Um, and the matchup for them coming out of the gate is the Bengals away, the Patriots at home, and then the Browns away. And so I, I think you want to flip. I think the Steelers are going to have a rough year, um, and I think you want to flip Najee heading into the season. Yeah, it sounds like the general theory is like liquidate on the hype and then put yourself in a position where you've got some cash to reinvest when the prices go down in November or not even that the price it's not even so much the pricing going down but it's more of like now we know what the landscape is going to look like for the playoffs a little bit more like we we have our sample size of data for the season is actually something that we can work with whereas like we all know from playing fantasy football and being NFL fans for so long like we all think that something's going to happen heading into the season. And then by week four, it's like a totally different picture. So just in general, I like the the philosophy of let's get rid of everything. That's maybe not, you know, clearly a long-term hold. And then exactly. let's, and then let's right. And that that's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously Tom Brady, you're holding him for the playoffs and, and another Super Bowl, or Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'm not trying to flip him in September unless somebody's just going to pry it out of my hands for an outrageous sum of money. Um, got, or like, you know, Mahomes or even Herbert and Burrow, you know, you're you're holding them to the playoffs. But if you're like holding Tua or even Jalen Hurts or any of these uh, rookie quarterbacks from last year, I'm trying to flip all of them because none of them are like proven elite QBs in the league yet. Until they're yeah. proven elite QBs, then I'm trying to even uh, even Josh Allen, like I would be flipping him just after the playoff so, tragedies that they've had. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to flip him heading into the season as Great well. call. Great call. I, I think that's that could be the call of the show, like sell Josh Allen. before the season starts because there's so much hype and there's just it's just slim chances. I know that the Vegas has odds and things like that, but I just I just think it's it's slim chances that Josh Allen wins the Super Bowl, you know? And so why not sell him now on all the hype? And then you can buy back in. I mean, if you really think you might even be able to put yourself in a position where you can buy back in at a bigger card for less money in November, you know? So why not do that? Um, all right, let's get to Toa's question here. So he wants to know about Tony Pollard. Is he a sneaky play? Zeke is slowing down and Pollard has been eating into his playtime more and more. 
That's very true. Um, and he's actually one of the receiving weapons that I didn't mention when we we're talking about Dallas receivers. Uh, they've been using him more in the slot, um, and they're talking about moving him a lot more into the slot. He did that last year. And I think they could utilize him more. I think the Dallas's defense is going to regress back to the norm. They were scoring touchdowns at an insane rate last year. That was not normal. I expect them to regress a little bit. There's going to be a tougher schedule for Dallas this year. It's going to be more shootout games. Uh, you know, I, you don't have the best coach in Mike McCarthy, but he's going to let them throw the ball a lot. Like, you know, they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to be forced to throw the ball a lot. And Dak can throw the ball a lot. And I think Tony Pollard is incredibly explosive. And he's in his prime right now. He's not like a, a bell cow type running back. Like Zeke is obviously still in this huge, huge bloated contract. And so he's going to get his carries. Like Zeke is going to get 200 carries if he's healthy. And uh, he's Zeke is surprisingly still not too old for his uh draft he's still in like 27 so he's like around the same age as christian mccaffrey um and uh joe mixon and leonard fournette so from 2017 so i think that zeke is still going to get his workload as long as he's healthy and but pollard is the guy that could break off a 75 yard run out of nowhere he's also going to get the receiving work um and i mean just talk about primetime scenarios the market size if you can sneak in some tony pollard deals that are, you know, that 2019 rookie ticket auto is an incredible design with that big team logo on it. If you could sneak those in for like 30 bucks or something, uh, that's a fantastic card. There's a lot of scarcity built into that card. And you could easily, I could see flipping, flip those at some point this season. Like he's a guy I wouldn't be concerned about flipping week one. I'd be like just holding him for a spike week down the stretch at any given point he could go off. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see people reaching for his cards. Or if Zeke were to get hurt, if Zeke were to get hurt, now all of a sudden you're going to see an immediate, immediate demand spike for his cards. Yeah, he's not a bad buy and hold and have some fun with in, in those uh, situations. I always like to, in your sports card investment portfolio, Kendall and I talk about this a lot, leaving room for just kind of some fun plays uh, where in football, all it takes is an injury, right? So I'm glad you brought that up. All it takes is an injury. So you know, we saw what Mike White last year uh, fill in for Zach Wilson. Uh, obviously, that's the quarterback position, so that's different than a running back. But, run, but you know, hey, if there's a clear, like, Chester Taylor, I'm dating myself in fantasy, but if there's a clear Chester Taylor uh, behind Adrian Peterson, for example, uh, a guy who, who's already performed or has shown flashes, and all it takes is one, one injury to have the guy go down, and uh, and then you're – you know, you've got the number one bell cow back there. Uh, I was, I was like, like those fun plays, especially for, for football cards. Yeah, that's that's Pollard to Zeke. That's Alexander Madison to Dalvin Cook. Um, you have a few of those situations. That's Ramadre Stevenson on the New England Patriots is one 2021 rookie running back we didn't talk about. And, and yeah, I was going to ask you about him. I'm glad you brought him up. I I actually was going to ask you what you think of Ramadre Stevenson as a play. He's like he's like a bowling ball, man. I mean, he's uh he's a smaller guy, but his BMI is like 90th percentile. So he's incredibly thick. Uh, so he could emerge. Like he's been getting a lot more work. Uh, he showed to to be good in receiving game. He broke off some big runs. He had a 94th percentile uh, yards per carry at Oklahoma. Um, for he had also had the fourth best juke rate in 2021. So. Uh, talking about missed tackles per carry 
And right now his silvers are $5 or less. His optic rookie ticket autos are $30. And he did not get a short print photo variation of the silver prism because of that draft capital. What I found is that Panini kind of cut off after the third round of draft selections in the NFL. They stopped giving that, that second photo variation. Very cool. Very cool. I'm going to, I'm going to dig into to Ramondre, see what I can find. Um, He's another spike week guy. He's another spike yeah. week guy because, like, they, yeah, did they draft two more running backs this year? They did, <laughs> but they like to run the ball. There's a lot of volatility, injury risk at the position, and Ramadre could go off any given game. And the, the fan base for the Patriots is massive. So you can get in on him dirt cheap. And he's so young that he become once he becomes a household name, you know, from a spike week, that's when you flip it. Is he the next Legarrette Blunt? It could be, could be the guy. Yeah, uh, but uh, Ramad, yeah, from from a thickness standpoint, could be. But Ramadre is like five ten, and Legarrette Blunt was like six two. So, it's, gotcha. So know. these are the kind of cards that I might look for at the National, for example, because I've never been to the National, but I'm going, and I I have to believe that. As I'm going around, there's going to be some $5 boxes, some dollar boxes, and I have to believe that a guy like Ramondre Stevenson, rookie ticket auto, would be in a $5 box somewhere. And so, you know, I, I might just look for those and then report back. We got our very own Kendall McKee. What's up, Kendall? He is showing up as Facebook user, but I know it's him because I went to our sports card strategy group on Facebook, and I see that Kendall McKee is the one saying, fellas, exclamation point, exclamation point. Good to see you, my man. Uh, we miss you. We wish you, you were on the show, but it's probably good that you're not because Andy's bringing it way too strong for both of us right now. Um, all right, Andy, last topic of the show for today, and we are rolling along with Football Card Strategy Show Episode 3. I'm pumped to be on with you. So re-ranking the Football Card Investment Report and who are we missing? I want to make the football card uh, investment report at nooffseason.com the most valuable for our members and our premium subscribers. So let's try to break this down as efficiently as possible. I know you've looked this over, so I won't read off the rankings, but uh, I'll let you kind of take it away here and let me know where you think we generally have things right and where we generally uh, need to make some adjustments here or specifically need to make some adjustments rather. Yeah, it's, it's tough. So I guess it's important for me to ask, like when, when I'm looking at your football card rankings, uh, I think it's more geared towards longer term investing, right? We look at about a uh, six to 12 month window. Yeah. Um, okay. And that's that's a little bit, you know, we're you upgrade to the premium version. It gets a little different because when you upgrade to the premium version audience, if you haven't already, you can uh, save 20 percent by using the promo code no off season and you will get more of a strategic breakdown about what to do with that player. And so the rankings themselves are available to anyone for free, right? When you go to nooffseason.com. And so they are more of a six to 12 month window. But then when you go into each investment report and you read the full report from a premium version, you might read about a guy like Jalen Hurts at number 13 overall. And in the play section, 
it's going to tell you something like, here's the exact cards we think you should buy and why, and here's exactly when we think you should sell him. Right. So, um, so yeah, th that's the, that's the distinction is that the rankings themselves, I think are more like a long-term outlook, but the actual play can get very short term. Yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. So um, yeah, obviously Tom Brady's got to be the goat. I like this Lamar Jackson play at number two. I mean, he, cause of his potential ceiling. Uh, I, I think that's, I mean, that sounds about right from the entry price point that you can get into him at and his ceiling. It, it makes sense. Patrick Mahomes, he's, I mean, yeah, he's a modern day goat for reasons that, <laughs> that uh, we've talked about before. Um, Dak Prescott at number four, the market size, the upside is there number, uh, with number five at Russell Wilson. Uh, I honestly, I might move Russell Wilson to number four and Dak to number five. And, and you've got Herbert at, uh, number six, which, uh, I love, I like that play. I, I think it's uh, a big year for the chargers. I know that, uh, man, there's a lot of, uh, of polarizing opinions between the chargers making it to the Super Bowl over the Bengals. What if we saw a Bengals-Chargers AFC championship game? That would be nuts. Yeah, that would be amazing for, I think, uh, a lot of people in the card market who have invested heavily in Burrow and Herbert. So I would I would not hate that for the hobby, that's for sure. I, I love the short-term flip potential. Trevor Lawrence talked about that. You got Deshaun Watson at number eight. And we still have not. They were supposedly uh, supposed to have a league, uh, a league suspension hearing for him on Tuesday. And unless I've missed it, I have not got the alert of how long he's going to be suspended for. Like a lot of people are like, oh, 20 cases have been settled, but there's still four sexual assault harassment <laughs> cases out there. That's like still a lot, you know. And uh, the league was supposed to have, you know, uh, like they're they're pushing to. And, but all the reports uh, from – I was a guy from Wall Street Journal that I read, another guy that I follow, uh, fantasy analyst uh, from Fantasy Live, Pete Overzet. They said everything that they're reading and buying into is that there's going to be a one-year suspension for Deshaun Watson pushed down because they're looking to make an example out of him uh, because it's become quite the public mockery, you know. So uh, it's tough for me to buy into him at all until I get a clear understanding of how long he's going to be suspended for. Because if he's suspended for a year, I'm just going to wait till October, November and and try and buy into him then for a hype cycle around the draft when it could really heat up for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that's a huge adjustment I think we probably need to make then because um, we do have him ranked super high based on his pricing from the off season and then him actually getting moved to Cleveland being a big deal. So I think that's probably something we need to take a look at. Uh, and then from there, we've got Burrow, Allen, Lance and Jones. We talked about a little bit about those guys on your show last week. Um, that, that to me is kind of like a tier that just screams overpriced. You know, how do you feel about those four specifically? Do you disagree on that? Um, I, I agree mostly, but I am really like on the fence with Joe Burrow because there are a lot of signs and just, you know, writing on the wall that Joe Burrow could be right back and, and in the thick of it at the Super Bowl this year. And it's hard for me to uh, discount his intangible assets that he does have, the leadership uh, traits that he has, the things that he does off the field and on the field with his teammates. It's, 
someone if, if there was one guy that was super young that was tempted to overpay on just to get in on some of his cards it would probably be joe burrow or justin herbert one of those guys um so i you know yeah but i i do i do agree that um josh allen i'd i'd flip him honestly just because like uh, man I see that I see this uh, tragedy striking them again in the playoffs, but hey, you never know. They could they could actually they've got the roster to be in the Super Bowl. I just you know n- now they lose Brian Dables, their offensive coordinator, so uh, who a lot of people like. You talked to a lot of NFL experts. He's on the Giants now, so it'll be interesting to see what their offense looks like this year. Um, I would add Stefan Diggs to this top thirty list, though. I noticed I don't think you have Stefan Diggs on here. I do not. And and Stefan Diggs should be on here. He's he's in his prime right now, uh, and he absolutely has like number one overall wide receiver. The Bills do throw the ball at the second highest rate in the NFL last year. I expect him to continue to do that. And uh, Stefan Diggs is just an elite separator. Like getting open, every other wide receiver in the league wants to be Stefan Diggs in that department. Like they all look up to him because he is been so good at getting open kind of like Devonte adams he put him right next to that he's got that kind of upside potential and i don't think that his prices necessarily reflect that i i still think is his rookie ticket autos like getting those for like 50 60 bucks i still think are if you can get them at that price are a very good investment i think uh stefan diggs is the kind of guy who'll end up going down a hall of famer and um he's kind of hasn't quite made it to that level of like a Devonte Adams or DeAndre Hopkins household name status. But uh, I mean, there's a high probability we could be talking about him in that category if we're not already after this season. Yeah, that's a good point. He did have like a, a classic catch in Minnesota in the playoffs several years back. And so he's in a position to continue to have those kinds of catches in big games moving forward, even if the Bills don't make it to the Super Bowl, with with a lot of people think they will. But even if they don't, he's going to be in the playoffs most likely, and he's going to be in a position where he's the go-to guy. So I think that uh, I'm glad you brought up Stefan Diggs. We're definitely missing him. So we're going to add him to the Sports Card Investment Report. And everyone, if you love what Andy's saying right now, he actually does contribute to most of our football write-ups at nooffseason.com. So He's not only the host of the football card strategy show with us, but he also writes for us. And then of course uh, runs his own football card quest uh, business on YouTube and, and a uh, Patreon. If you want to upgrade over there, it's definitely going to be worth your money. Um, but there's a couple other guys I want to ask you about. So Kyler Murray is a guy that I've heard uh, your co-host Carter talk about. Um, also, you guys have talked about Matt Ryan and, Another guy, let's see, we've talked about most of these guys already today, but I did want to get your quick perspective on Derek Carr and Tua, just in relation to where they're ranked. You know, are they are they right where you would put them, or uh, would you move them up or down? Yeah, so I, I mostly agree with uh, Carter on selling Tua heading into the season at, on this hype of, of getting Tyree killed and everything. Um, I I'd sell Tua heading into the season. They also have a tough opening schedule. Um, Derek Carr. I, I mean, Vegas is predicting them to actually be the, the worst performing team in that AFC West division, but I a man, they could be, they have some sneaky upside. They really do. They've got some sneaky upside. And I think this could easily be a career year for Derek Carr. So 
from from that perspective alone, like I do like Derek Carr's investment. I think Devontae Adams is going to be big um, for for his numbers. And he really, man, if he could make a playoff run, we could absolutely see um, a big uh, increase in demand for his cards. Uh, plus, like last year, we saw demand increase when he was in MVP consideration through the first three weeks. They were winning. He was also throwing the ball a lot, and he completes a lot of his passes. So uh, Devontae Adams is going to help that in that department out a lot. So, um, yeah, I think in relation to uh, – you know, I'd maybe maybe bump him up uh, one or two spots there. You know, maybe over one of those rookies. Like, all uh, right, yeah. Last guy, Kyler Murray. Uh, I see obviously a lot of you know things lining up when you talk about the number one overall pick a few years ago. You talk about his college career, uh, the talent level, and then the team that he's on. I mean, everything kind of lines up for this guy. Does he have a shot to potentially come out of the NFC as, as the guy? Yeah, I think a wild card spot. It's it's hard for me to uh, see the Rams not getting back to the playoffs, right, out of the NFC West. Like, I just – I don't see people beating them in their own division. Um, so, I think they could grab a wild card spot, though, over, like, the 49ers – and Kyler Murray, definitely upside. You know, a lot of what I, I like to do in football card investing is similar to fantasy in the sense that if I'm investing in Kyler Murray, I want to stack him with a wide receiver on his team, like Marquise Brown. You know, they just added Marquise Brown to the roster, former teammate uh, at Oklahoma with Kyler Murray. They had over 1,000 receiving yards in college, kind of like Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. So I think if you're investing in Kyler Murray, which you can at a discount right now, because he's pretty much like uh, it's just got a little bit of a stain on his reputation with the whole like kind of holdout thing this this offseason and the whole kind of immaturity thing that he's been dealing with, with, you know, reports of him tuning out teammates or just always being frustrated on the field uh, with this kind of like this mean mugging look that Kyler Murray's always got, you know, where, you know, it's it's totally opposite when you look at a guy like Joe Burrow, right? And uh, Cliff Kingsbury has become notorious for kind of flaming out in the playoffs and the whole way they ended their season last year. You can absolutely get Kyler Murray at a discount. He's got QB1 upside. If you invest in him, I think you should stack him with DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown, potentially throw in some Rondale Moore from 2021 prism set. You know, go buy you Zach Ertz because Zach Ertz is like famous off the NFL field. He's got a Super Bowl ring and everything. So, you know, invest in uh, Zach Ertz, who's a Hall of Fame tight end. It's kind of like investing in Gronk, more or less like, a, you know, a, not a, I want to say poor man's Gronk, but, you know, it's just like not quite as popular as Gronk, but he still is, you know, popular. He's got that reputation. Absolutely. Andy, phenomenal job on Football Card Strategy Show Episode 3. We could keep going and going, but uh, we need to plug one more thing. Let's talk real quick about the fantasy football draft guide you and I are putting together. That's going to come out in a few weeks here at nooffseason.com, the Quest Dominator draft guide uh, with Andy and I. We, uh, we basically wanted to team up to give more fun content to our audience and give everybody an opportunity to learn about how they can win their fantasy football league. So uh, how excited are you for that, Andy? I'm incredibly excited. This is something I've always wanted to do, Paul, uh, as a um, 
a fantasy football draft kit. And, and so we're going to be doing some mock drafts. We're also going to give some little insights for every single player in the top 300 players in the league. Uh, and I, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see what you put together in the web app. Uh, I can't wait for us to do a couple mock drafts because I've already done several dynasty uh, startup drafts this summer. I've also done probably 100 best ball drafts at this point. So my my ADP knowledge, like we can get to pretty much any round of fancy draft and I know where guys are going. So I kind of can uh, help people out there find value in their fancy drafts and put together a powerhouse roster. You know, I I, um, I won one of my leagues last year. I made it to the playoffs in the other and I'm um, doing even more leagues this year. And I've won my my home league twice in the past uh, in the past 10 years. So and I'm always in the thick of it. So, you know, I just uh just, you know, just to give you some a reference, like I take it very seriously and I think we can help you build some seriously powerful fantasy football squads this year to dominate your friends and win some money. Everybody who is a premium member of NoOffSeason.com uh, sports card investment report will automatically have access to the draft guide, uh, the uh, quest dominator draft kit at no off season, but it will be sold as its own standalone product. So uh, don't worry. We're going to continue to provide sports card content, a number one, but Andy and I are both passionate about fantasy football. That's kind of what got him started in cards and no back from 2007 to 2011 was a pretty strong fantasy football website. And I've rebooted it as a sports card investing site. So this will be fun for both of us. Um, and uh, before I take us to the outro, Andy, I want to take one more question from Toa, who is a loyal audience member. And I think this is a good question. When investing, how are you separating the hype from the actual real factors you want to invest in? Uh, is simply flipping in and out of the hype and not taking the chance for volatility. And I think this is a little bit different than a dynasty fantasy football league, because while you do not technically have an asset in dynasty fantasy football. You also aren't necessarily spending your actual real money on a waiver pickup or a draft pick outside of like the league entry fee, or if your league actual actually bids real money on waivers outside of those two scenarios, I think it's a little bit different because it's in this regard, it's a little bit less risky to prospect for dynasty than it is to prospect for football cards. So how do you, how do, how do you do this, Andy? Yeah, I think it's really important to remember that it is definitely harder to sell cards than it is to buy them. And and so I'm I'm not like I don't ever want to get myself into a situation where I feel like um, I'm getting greedy on a card. And and so I, I try to always think in term in terms of when I buy this card, I really should be listing it kind of right away. Um, and planning out like when I think the hype is gonna be the highest. So like heading into the season. I, I will take, uh, you know, 70 to 100 percent profit on a card and take that capital back into my bankroll to invest it in November because I see such a good buying window in November. So I think it's important to kind of take that into consideration as well and and understand that you can always buy back into a, a different card. You refresh your collection that way, put something new on the wall and and, you know, just continue to kind of feed off, like have the, the hobby fund your future investments and, and to feed off of that. And uh, definitely though, like from a, from looking at the, like their age apex and stuff, I, I definitely am looking at that. So running backs 
are even more of a short-term investment for me than than quarterbacks, wide receivers. Some of them, you know, I'm a little bit I'm like wide receivers. I guess if there was one position I'm fine holding more long-term, it would be them because I know that the from a week-to-week basis, all the wide receivers that I'm investing in may not have a lot of production. Their team may not be winning, but I know if I hold them long enough, they're going to be put in that situation uh, where they do pop. Uh, whether it's all the factors, new team, new quarterback upgrade, uh, you know, winning big production, like top five production, um, a playoffs, the whole nine yards. So. Yeah. I, I, I look at it similarly. Like I think to me, investing is a lot like playing daily fantasy football, but with just a a larger margin for error. So uh, for example, I used to play a lot of FanDuel and DraftKings and I'd get really excited about setting my lineup for that particular week and all the research I did and like wanting to be right um, and be able to have bragging rights and tell people that I won and all these things. And so I think that the calls I would make were generally always pretty successful within like a two to three week window, but not necessarily that one week. And so I think that if you look at football card investing in that regard, like let's say you're following a guy like Ramondre Stevenson, who we talked about earlier, and you you are confident that based on things you're reading from the beat writers, based on things you saw during the game, um, based on maybe some insights that you're picking up from uh, Andy and, and other, other football card um, shows that go deep, um, you know, okay, this guy is going to break out at some point within the next two to three weeks or four weeks. And you're looking at the schedule, right? And different things like that. Um, I think football, this is where football card investing, you can get really good at it. If you, if you kind of do what Andy said, which is like map out your plan, it's going to be easy to buy it. It's not going to be easy to sell it. So what you probably want to do is if you can buy a card, uh, try to get it at the lowest possible price, obviously try to make sure it's a card that people are going to want to buy, AKA, parallel serial number uh color match autograph something right uh and then listing it in a buy it now or best offer format uh or like a 10-day auction on ebay over an elongated period of time something like that um giving yourself a two to three a two to four week play during the nfl regular season i think is fun i think what's super hard is to try to pick a quarterback that's going to win the Super Bowl. I think that that's the least likely thing to possibly do. And I think to pick a fantasy player, rookie patch auto as like a dynasty fantasy sleeper, I also think is a little bit of a miss. Uh, I've mentioned Kenny Gainwell several times in my content. So Kenny Gainwell is like my example of that. Like don't love some guy for fantasy and then think that, okay, he's going to be a PPR flex super stud in two to three years. I just know it. And go out and buy his rookie patch auto for $30. Like, there's a good chance no one's going to want that rookie patch auto for anywhere near $30. So, uh, that's, Toa, that's kind of my, my outlook for football card investing. And I do think football card investing is definitely a lot more intricate than basketball it's definitely different than baseball prospecting. It's definitely different than soccer, F1. Football, I think, is the shortest window uh, and the smallest margin for error, and I call it kind of the, the riskiest. 
Andy's really good at synthesizing the data into recommendations for, for a lot of guys. Um, but I think he, when it comes down to it, he's like, he's very, um, strategic with what he buys and, and then like not Andy, you strike me as someone who's just like not emotional about selling things, which I think that's how you have to be (laughs) if you want to make money on it. So, yeah, I do have a PC though. And I have gotten emotional about selling a nice Mike Evans card and a nice Tom Brady card. Uh, but the price, the, the prices were way too good for me to turn down. And I, I just knew like, I'll, I'll be able to get back in, you know, it's not, there's, there's more cards out there, you know, and I'll be able to get back in. And so I, I mean, like going back to Toa's question, uh, real quick, just, just to hit on this is like, um, separate, like, cause I don't think I actually like answered this question directly in terms of separating hype from actual real factors you want to invest in. Like the first thing I do is I go and look at what their measurables are like, and, and look at what they did in college, because if they weren't uh, successful in college and they didn't test well and they didn't get drafted with any capital, then chances are they're never going to get that opportunity in the NFL. They're not going to perform at a high level. So unless there's some external story outside of the NFL that's driving their values up, kind of like Pat Tillman being a war hero, then there's not really um, anything in terms of like investment value there for me. But if they were a good athlete, they had good college numbers, even if they went to a good school and maybe they got picked in the fourth round and maybe they're buried on a depth chart and they're not getting an opportunity right now. Those are the guys that I think you can buy into at the lowest that have the highest upside, especially the younger they are, because once they do get that opportunity, they have the athletic profile to go out and make the most of it and actually execute with that with that opportunity. And now all of a sudden you're sitting on a gold mine. If you got that listed in a buy it now format, and they're popping off. You're, you're ready, man. People are just going on there. They don't want to wait for auctions. This guy's going nuts. He's about to become the next generational athlete. He came out of nowhere. Boom. You got him. You, you know, you're listed. They reach. They buy your card. And you make, you know, three to five X. And in some scenarios, even more than that. I've, I've had some scenarios where I've made even more than that doing that. Anything else you want to add for us, Andy, before I take us to the outro? No, man, this has been a great show. I know we've covered a lot of players. Um, I'll just I'll plug my latest video. I did a deep dive on the beginning of last season. I looked at the the guys who performed the best coming out of the gate last season. I studied Russell Wilson's opening schedule. I studied Sam Darnold, what happened to him. And I studied the sales transaction on their graded cards uh, week-to-week basis through the first three weeks of the 2020 season and then made some projections for this year. Check that out. Uh, other than that, man, we're, I look forward to coming back on here again with you real soon. And then, you know, we'll release the draft guide and do some mock drafts and all that stuff, man. I'm fired up, Paul. Yeah, same here, man. Everybody check out Andy at Football Card Quest. Definitely check out that video. Football Card Quest on YouTube, that is. And uh, show him some love. Andy Kaysen, host of the Football Card Quest cast, as well as the Football Card Strategy Show, part of the NoOffSeason.com Sports Card Content Network. And that is home of the Sports Card Investment Report, where you can uh, get upgrade to the premium version. It's $19.99 a month, and you can save 20% using the promo code NOOFFSEASON at checkout. Everybody, this has been episode three, the long-awaited episode three of the Football Card Strategy Show. We're going to be back. We're going to be back with a lot more football card strategy shows because it is football card season. It's going to be football card season from now through probably September. 
and then there's going to be a little bit of a dip. But we're going to keep the content coming strong. Everybody, thanks for watching and listening. If you missed the live stream, we hope you check us out on Spotify and Apple. For those of you listening on Spotify and Apple, you can uh, hit up Andy and I uh, with your thoughts on the show on Twitter. I'm at No Offseason Card, and Andy is at FB Card Quest. Is that right? FB Card Quest on Twitter. FB Card Quest. All right, awesome. Everybody, thanks, and have a great day.